Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We're your hosts, David O. And Carly R. Today we are joined in studio, fantastic, by our good friend Jess. How are you doing? I'm doing well this morning. Thank you. Good. Where are you from, Jess? Um, I grew up in Savage, Maryland. My parents have lived there for like 45 years um, in the same house. And I went to, um, you know, school in Columbia. I basically grew up. What high school did you go to? I went to Longreach for three years and then Hammond for one year or maybe a quarter of a year. Yeah. (laughs) Let's be honest. Okay. And when were you first introduced to recovery? So I was first introduced to recovery in 2013. Um, I had left an eight-year relationship, came back from Boston, almost dead. And, um, you know, a friend took me to my first first NA meeting. And, um, you know, I sort of never looked back as far as- Who was that friend? Go for it. My friend, Sam, we grew up together. He had, I think, 10 years clean at the time. Hmm. Um, he wasn't going to meetings anymore, but he he, he knew. saw me and he was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that works. And how long have you been clean? I've been clean for six years now. I celebrated um, July 18th. Fantastic. Well, with all that out of the way, we're gonna turn it over to you to share your story with us. So take it away. Sure. Um, So, you know, I grew up always sort of feeling different, not fitting in with the other kids, living in Savage, um, which is a tiny historic town um, with some apartments and some unfavorable people. Um, So like going to school in Columbia with all the rich kids, um, you know, I already felt different. You know, I came from a household that was violent. Um, You know, my brother and I didn't really have, you know, we weren't really the brunt of the violence. It was, you know, our parents and um, we just had, you know, had to cope with it, find different ways of coping with it. So at 14, I found marijuana and alcohol. I think the, I know that the first time I drank alcohol at my friend's house was Goldschlager. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> which oh, is God. pretty that was, those traumatic. Were fun nights. Yeah, because you so. felt so fancy. You were like, "Oh, I'm drinking gold, you peasants." <laughs> fuck you. I was fuck. like, "Also, I might die from these gold chips. I don't know what's happening." <laughs> yeah, it like, like sliced your throat on the way down. It, it seems great. like not, you know. But um, how is that <clears throat> through a series of bad judgment calls? Yes. Um, so yeah, my friend, her mom, you know, both of my, uh, there were three of us girls and, um, you know, I focused on gaining acceptance from the guys in the neighborhood and, um, they thought I was skinny and ugly and, you know, that was sort of always a weird dynamic. I remember being like getting into the teenage years and, um, you know, starting to see a glimmer of self of um, acceptance from others, right? And so I started to do what they were doing, which was like drinking and smoking weed. Um, shortly after that, you know, I graduated high school. I was working at um, a, a school in the area. I got a certification to, you know, work in a school with kids. And um, I did that for a while. I met this guy Um, during that time I started you know I was doing coke and ecstasy and um, mushrooms and stuff by the time I was 16 Mm -hmm. Um, you know sneaking out in the middle of the night going to DuPont Circle and stuff taking a bunch you know went all the way down to DuPont Circle yeah I don't know why (laughs) why yeah I'm like from Savage to DC I was with my gay friends and so that was the place to be yeah that makes sense yeah, and so I ended up in some weird sexual places, and then, um, you know, I would come home at 5 a.m., like, right when my parents would get up and pretend like I had been sleeping and go to school. Yeah, you you're know like, what I'm I mean? just an early bird. Like, it, yeah, they were like, <laughs> wait, no, you're not. But anyway, like, my parents just never even acknowledged anything. Um, you know, I get, I don't know. I lost my virginity to a 36 year old. You know, it was just like Whoa, always. What's wrong um, with that guy? 
I don't know. What kind he, of fucking predator? Like you were a teenager. He's one. He helped me detox one time, like not even that long ago. I guess it, probably now it was like nine years ago. But he's okay. Now he's been, back to even, but still, that's weird. Yeah, he's. I don't know. He's a great guy. We work together. Um, I've had a job since I was fourteen to support my habit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I worked at a cafe and then when I was 16, I worked at Ram's Head Kitchen until I was 18 and I could start waiting tables. And, um, you know, uh, my addiction has always been like, I have never stopped working until I, um, until 2013 when, okay, so basically, um, you know, I met that guy. Um, we were together for eight years. You know, I was selling coke at the preschool, you know what I mean, to the other teachers and shit was getting weird because they were showing up at my house at 4 a.m. And I was like, it's about to go down. I'm getting out of here. So I left a job I really enjoyed. Um, I didn't want to, like, go to jail or anything. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And so, um, you know, I left with the with the guy. Um, we had a town and country apartment, which is, like, the move around here when you're first getting started. Um, you know, before that, I moved out of the house at 17 and um, got an apart, got a townhouse in um, Arbutus with another friend. So, um, anyway, yeah, that relationship went on for eight years. That's where I met my drug of choice, you know, being him, being heroin, you know. Um, I was doing coke, and, um, you know, we would get the vials from the city and sell them in the county, like, um, at double the price. And Oh, of um, course. County people are idiots. Right. I mean, so one day I hit the... the um, you know, the red top of Coke and it wasn't Coke. It was mixed because that's how he, you know, injected stuff um, was to mix it in the same vial, I guess. And I immediately, my head went back, my eyes closed. I was just like, oh, yeah. and I was with my girlfriend and she was like, no, her dad was a heroin addict. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she still lived with them at the time, I think. Um and she was like, that's not Coke. And I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, okay, I found what I want then, yeah. if that's mm. the case. And um, never stopped doing it since, you know, there wasn't a day that I didn't do it from that point forward. And she was out, you know, she was like, she saw it. And like, um, Looking back on it, like, I can identify that that look on her face was so accurate, right? Like, she knew I was done before I um, started. And so, um, you know, the distance there grew. Um, She was still trying to, like, save me from that relationship because she knew Mm -hmm. where it was going. Mm -hmm. And um, I was having no parts of it. You know, I had met the man of my dreams. Um, he looked like a giant Ken doll and like he like was really successful. He knew how to make money. Um, he wouldn't, he had really high standards, you know, it was just like, I felt privileged to be in that relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, we just stuck together, you know, there was like no cheating. We, um, After I quit the preschool, you know, I don't know. We just started going into, um, we moved. So a lot of this is really kind of blurry for me. I just know that like um, we lived in a bunch of different places. We never renewed a lease. We often didn't clean out a house before um, leaving, you know, we would... Um, burn it down and start over Mm -hmm. you know every time you know how it goes like sort of like um, we were like stable but like vagrant right Mm -hmm. and so we would pick up sales jobs like build a sales team get override on them um, owe a bunch of money to a dealer or had been in a serious situation where it's like we can't stay and Mm -hmm. like we would leave and move Um, So we lived in Baltimore a few times. We lived in um, 
New York. We lived in Boston. Um, you know, it was just, we lived in Lutherville. We lived in Falls Point. We lived in Canton. Um, we lived in Columbia. Um, in eight you know, years, you've named like 12 places. Yeah. That's, that's not good. And it's accurate. <laughs> and I hope I'm not leaving anything out. Um, we went on vacations, you know, like we drove nice cars. We had like nice houses. We had a dog at one point. Um, but in between there, there was some serious, serious unmanageability, right? I remember one time um, he had taken my car to work. I don't know. And um, it was one of those points where he didn't have a license and didn't have a car. And so, um, you know, I woke up like out of a stupor a whole weekend. I completely lost. I, I still don't know. You know, I still don't remember anything about that weekend. I remember Friday night and Monday morning and waking up and uh, knowing my car was gone somehow, grabbing keys from the kitchen table from one of our friends or something and taking their car. And I don't even, it nice. wasn't a friend. It was someone on our sales team. It was a um, sales rep. Um, so, you know, um, which is messed up to take advantage of someone who's yeah. like under you, right? So um, I took his car to work. Coming out of the city on 83, I I wrecked it. And I, it's very vague what happened, but I have flashes of like someone pulled over and like I got in their car and like took off. It wasn't somebody that I know. I have no idea. Mm. But um, eventually, like I never made it to work to the office, um, you know, and in the office, I think it was socially acceptable to use because like we were the top sellers, right? Mm -hmm. So no one's going to tell us yeah. shit, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, I ended up back at my house and um, didn't go to work, like through a series of unfortunate events. Um, our house got broken into, I think that was Monday, probably f Friday. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the everything was taken off the walls. My vacuum cleaners were missing. My dog was gone, like really random. I called the police and as soon as they got there, they arrested me. Like what? I had a warrant mm -hmm. out from stealing and crashing that car. Oh. And so... <laughs> Like, this did not go how like where right. I wanted my dog back and I'm getting fucking arrested. Right. They took um they took me to Southeast District, which I didn't know existed. It was like a dirt wherever I was, I have no idea, but I remember a dirt floor, a wood bench, and some other folks in there. And I was so high that like I kept leaning down to lay on the bench and the girls were like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And I was like, leave me alone. And like I was so like when they transferred me to central bookings, I had like light colored jeans on with all these blood spots all over the jeans because like I was laying in bugs oh. of some sort. Yeah, Ugh. and um, I went to Central Bookings. I, I, of course, it was Friday, so I was stuck there all weekend. And um, you know, my boyfriend had gotten bail money from his mom, but then used it to use all weekend. Oh <laughs> so like, I had to get my parents to come bail me out. They had no idea what they were doing. Mm. Right? They, I think they met a bail bondsman in the yeah. in the waiting room. It was just oh, I'm like. Sure. Uh, get our daughter out, please. Yes. I don't know. And so my dad paid cash. He like he didn't know about putting your house up or whatever. And I don't think he would have ever done that. Yeah. Um, so it was a it was not a good time. Um, that's a that's a bottom that's pretty clear that I can identify. Like, hey, I might have yeah. I might have reached out for some help if I knew it was available. Mm -hmm. Like. I didn't know anyone who had ever been in recovery. All I knew were like my friends went hard and they didn't stop, right? Mm -hmm. And none of us died, you know? And so it seemed fine. Um, we always made a lot of money. We always had That's a shit. fucked up benchmark. Like, yeah. well, we're not dead, so right. it, sh it should be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, and my using was sort of, I was able to save stuff for the next day a lot of the times. Like, I was able to, like, I would take... Yeah, responsible usage. I would <laughs> take, like, Suboxone in between the points where I might possibly get sick and that, like, just a tiny bit 
to like hold me over. You know, it was just like, I thought I was managing it. I didn't know a different way to live. Um, I was comfortable with what I was doing. And I had like a, a co-signer who was worse than me because yeah. he used needles and he shot steroids and he did all kinds of crazy shit. Um, so, you know, long story short, the last place we ended up was in Boston. Um, I had moved, we were in Methuen. I um, moved to East Boston when we broke up. I stayed there for a while and then um, eventually I came home because my car was like about to be repossessed. Like I didn't have, um, I was still bartending, I think, but it was just, it was time to go. And, um, you know, ending that relationship, both of us cheated on each other and that's how we ended it. I feel like that is what makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, he left me for someone who had season pass at Celtics and like, <laughs> I left him with some guy that I was like going to the, ex like, uh, he was like a, a seasonal worker who lived at the extended stay from mm. Michigan. Wow. Right, so. I mean, who won? I don't know. I went. <laughs> I went home and um, I identified a, a a friend from high school, and I moved in with him and became his girlfriend. You know, that's how. That's how I went from. That's how it goes. <laughs> so now I'm his girlfriend, and um, you know, I go into bartending right away uh, with my friend Mikey, and. Um, bartended at the Red Parrot for a few years. Um, we would work 12 hour shifts and go up 295 to cop dope, come back and like, you know, yeah. bartend and be yep. Right, we would look like the other patrons. We would just be doing something different, you know, and um, you know, it, it just went on like that. My current boyfriend then, didn't use any re real drugs. He smoked mm -hmm. weed, right? And not, you know. We're not downplaying weed. And, uh, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Right. I mean, you know. But, um, you know, so he didn't know what he was looking at most of the time. Like, yeah. he, he didn't know that I was high. When I'm high on dope, I have a lot of energy, right? Until, like, That's I don't weird. around yeah. like. I mean, I won't start falling out until around 8 p.m. And then I'm wow. like, oh, it's. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's what happened to me when I had a habit. Like, that shit gives me life. Hmm. Um. <laughs> Eric. Eric out of nowhere. Just, oh, I 100% agree. Yes. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate the inclusion. Um, that's what we do around here. Yes. <laughs> David. What did I do? So what? I'm, I'm pretty sure Eric was the one judging earlier. Oh, yeah. He's, so. Yeah, he's dead. You've so, redeemed yourself, Eric. At what point did you meet my sister? Like, that's... You like, know, I tried to identify this in the shower this morning. <laughs> and I think it was... It had to have been after I after moved Boston? back. Yeah. Like, there were times we were... Okay, so I met your sister when I was teaching at the school, oh, like I'm right sorry. out of high school, right? And so we had this relationship going. Um, as far as... My sister is awful. Oh, the one... Okay, that sister. Yeah, okay. You know, I really can't say. You saw me there. What year was it? I don't fucking know. Like, I, like I was in my own shit. I know. I know. Like, I just knew you were like, oh, that's the chick living in the Mike basement. Mike was locked up for an entire year of that time where I um, dated this guy, Troy. We, I don't think we lived together. I don't know, dude. Dude, it's all <laughs> such a blur. I lived with David's sister for like a year or two yeah. in there sometime. Um, and it, you know, I think it might have been when I moved out of um, this boyfriend we're talking about now. I'm saying it's sometime between like 2008 and 2011. I think you're right. Somewhere in there. Yes. Um, it was a very transient time when I came back from For Boston. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I was sleeping on the couch upstairs. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I like, and I was running men in and out of the basement. <laughs> It was, it was, you know, good that's, times. That's you know. my story, dude. <laughs> men are as much of a drug as drugs were to me. I needed that validation from men, you know. 
I felt completely empty without it. And I didn't want to take a look at myself. Like that's what happens when you're alone is like, you oh, have yeah. no one to blame. Yeah. You're like, what is you my gotta, life yeah, you become? You gotta find a fucking scapegoat. You're yeah. like, no, I was acting crazy because <laughs> this bitch was nuts. Yeah. And with your sister, I felt like socially acceptable and I wasn't using... Oh, yeah. She's way worse. Yeah. I think I think I was taking suboxone when I was with her. It was toward the end of my using career. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <laughs> That, you know, that was more miserable for me than any time using was yeah. like being strung out on Suboxone, like trying to. So anyway, what happened was this boyfriend after Boston, I started like getting entangled with this other guy. Um, eventually, I moved into his dad's basement with him. And it was a nightmare. I didn't even really like him to begin with. Um, Shit was going bad because the boyfriend had found out what I was really Mm. using. And it wasn't weed. And um, I got a DUI. I went to um, see my friend Lily. I had one beer and drove home. And I was so wrecked off of the dope I had that day Mm. that like, I got a DUI. I told Mm. them I never drank. And that, like, I had a beer and it made me this way because I don't have a tolerance. <laughs> and, like, they bought it. I blew. What? I had blown what? a .08. Yeah. Okay. But they mm-hmm. sure took me to jail anyway. Uh, <laughs> they were like, you're a fucking rat. Yeah. Um, They're like, we can't. I said, I live. It was on the corner of Oakland Mills Road and Snowden. I lived oh, yeah. in Hopewell. Oh. Yeah. Like, right behind. Like, I, that was my corner yeah. only inside right and they wouldn't let me walk home or take my car home they took me straight to jail that's howard county cops for you uh, i know like so, you have a flake of weed to be fair there is no way i should have been driving um, yes yes <laughs> anyway that happened like the you know it was time to move on is all i'm saying i identified this guy who you know lived in clarksville and moved in with him um that shortly became super Toxic. I moved with my friend Rachel um, in an apartment in um, Columbia. And then that guy. Rachel, Rachel? Like the same Rachel? Rachel. Rachel and Tom Rachel? No. Okay. No, different Rachel. Um, And um, so then he moved in with us. Um, which was a real nightmare because then like the physical abuse and everything came with mm. that and I had never experienced that before I was never going to experience that that was one of my nevers that was like really hit home with me and he wouldn't leave and the police were there every day whether I called them whether Rachel called them whether the neighbors called them they were there every mm. day and that didn't go on for too much longer. I remember I was waitressing at Mimi's Cafe when it was over there. Mm-hmm. And um, I kept having black eyes and like using all the makeup and wearing fake glasses. And um, it just wasn't working anymore. People were like asking me what's wrong and like how can, you know, that I need to get out and come stay with them and all this. And Um, I stopped going to work, you know, I like quit that job. And um, from there, um, we all decided to close, me and Rachel decided to close the apartment so that um, we could get rid of John for good. And that's what we did. I crashed on my parents' couch for like two weeks. And then um, this guy, Chris, when I was bartending, you know, all that time before the parrot, He was a fan and he had always been in contact with me and he had always told me if I need somewhere to go, I could come there. And I thought he was creepy and weird. So I was like, no. And um, but after staying at my parents for two weeks, I was like, okay, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So he had a two bedroom, two full bathroom, luxury apartment in Arundel Mills, you know. And I moved in with that with him and, um, you know, had my own space like it wasn't weird. We would go to the zoo and stuff like that. Um, We had two sexual encounters with each other, just enough to keep him interested. (laughs) And, um, you know, swear to God, this is how I lived. I'm just saying epic. 
Um, <laughs> you know, eventually he he um, got deployed. He was not in, you know, I don't want to talk too much about that um, situation because um, he has a top secret clearance with what he does and stuff. So anyway, okay, yeah, we'll he was going on. overseas and... Um, you know, he was like, I'm putting the apartment in your name and wow. I'll pay the rent while I'm gone and the utilities and stuff. And um, he put $1,000 a week into my account for other stuff, you know, for my lifestyle. And I I was going to meetings at this time. I was still going to meetings every day since I met that idiot. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was, I was like, on the floor smoking new parts in this nice place like wanting to die um there's an atm in the foyer you know it's like a hotel style apartment building there's an atm in the in the area downstairs and i would like sleep with my dealer because like i didn't even i would be like too sick to even go to the atm you know what i mean like wow. it was just really 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 rough and um you know, him giving me that allowance almost killed me. And, um, oh, yeah. you know, I didn't know where to go. Yeah, sugar daddies seem like a good idea. But they can kill people. <laughs> right. Like, it's like real. the worst enabling parent ever. Oh, yeah. And so um, eventually someone in the rooms was able to sort of um, point me in the direction. Go talk to that guy. That guy was Jack, by the way. He'll help you get into treatment. And that's what I did. As it turns out, um, because I was mostly doing Suboxone at the time to just maintain, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I would go back and forth, back and forth. But um, I went to, they sent me to this IOP, which mm -hmm. I didn't know what that was at the time, yeah. I, you know, and they were like, we don't have any beds, but go here. And so I did that for six weeks. And um I started not using other drugs and just having the Suboxone in my system because they were testing me and I didn't like that. I didn't know what to do with that. I thought I might go to jail if I like mm -hmm. I had a dirty urine. So um, and they considered Suboxone clean. So I was like, all right, I'll, like I'll get with the program. Right. Like yeah. I, I want, you know, and still going to meetings every day, going to meetings like five times a day. Let's be honest. Yeah. On five times on Friday, three or four every other day, and um, starting to get an understanding of the program, um, but not being able to stay clean. So eventually, uh, my doctor was like, You're clean. You're not going to treatment. And then he like kind of winked at me, and I was like, Oh, like I got to get high to go to treatment. Right. And so that's what I did. I went and smoked Your a bunch of weed. doctor said this? He, he said, you're clean. You're not going to treatment. Oh. Do you understand? And wow. I was like, oh. Because he knew I desperately, want, every time we talked, I was like, when am I going to treatment? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to get off this shit. Yeah. And, um, you know, I feel like that was uh, really compassionate of him. I went home and smoked a bunch of weed and came back, failed the test. And that was enough for some reason to get me into treatment. Mm. And during treatment, they... That's the most hilarious, like, ass-backwards way to get I'm to treatment. I'm telling you what. I don't... I don't like, someone Doctor helped me live my life. basically told me to go smoke a blunt. Right. I was like, all right, like, Doc, I, I'll do it. I can't use right or get clean right. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so I go into Shoemaker, right? It's like uh, my state Medicaid, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I also thought treatment was only for rich people. So... At that point, I hadn't been working. I got Medicaid insurance. Someone helped me do that. And then I went to treatment and they took me up to like 36 milligrams of Suboxone or 20 or whatever. How mm -hmm. does it go? Eight, 16 milligrams, I think. And then halved it every day. Um, they tapered me for 11 days. And then fast. my insurance only covered 14 days. <laughs> So I hit the streets with three days of complete abstinence, right? Mm. And um, went into a recovery house um, and kept the apartment for another six months to use like the gym and pool and yoga studio and stuff and have my friends over. And then my house manager explained that that's a reservation, that if I get high mm -hmm. again, I have somewhere to go. And um, so I got rid of that. Um, 
you know, and things started to um, get better for me. You know, I'd always had a sponsor. I'd always had a home group. My home group watched me pick up a white tea, key tag every 30 days, you know. And so um, I started getting my shit together. I made goals. Um, you know, I think it was really hard for me to get clean because I still had a lot of outside stuff. Um, and I was like dying on the inside. Um, you know, fast forward, I was in that recovery hot, you know, I became the house manager after nine months or a year. Um, I was in that recovery house for three and a half years with That's a whole the type lot of person of... you are like in like 30 days, you're like, I'm going to run this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you Just know, you wait. I got until in I'm there in and, charge. Right. I got in there and set some goals, man. And I didn't stop. Like I was, I wanted to be done my 12 steps because I believed in that modality of recovery. Right. And I wanted to like, um, you know, get buy a house by the time I left there. I was working two or three jobs um, at different times and um, at the same time as well, my rent was covered because I was a house manager and they gave me a full rent stipend so I wasn't paying rent and I was just socking away money and, um, you know, by the time I moved out of there, um, Jack and I were engaged no, Jack and I had been engaged for a couple of years. We were getting married. Mm -hmm. um, so I left the house. We So we bought a house in November and got married in January. Um, and the way we bought a house was interesting because Mike and Joni, who um, have recovery houses in the area as well, sold us the house that Jack had been living in for the past five years. And the way they did that was charged a lot of interest, right? We paid the closing costs and stuff, but we couldn't afford a $450,000 house, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we had like fixed our credit and everything like that. And we um, got pre-qualified to buy a house. Yeah. And then, you know, we told Mike, hey, he's going to be moving out or we're looking for a house. And he was like, don't do anything else. And he's like, I've been wanting Jack to buy this house. And so... Um, we did Mike that. And Mike and Joni are fucking amazing. Yeah, they, they really are. Just... They really are. Um, we were on the phone with them yesterday when we were at the beach. Um, so anyway, we bought the house. Um, after two years, like, you know, our our jobs are getting better. You know, we're, um, you know, we um, refinanced to get a lower interest rate and the bank owns the mortgage now, right? We qualified for the mortgage ourselves. And, um, you know, it's like, we just keep setting goals and hitting them, um, which has always been really important for me, probably because of all my sales training. I just thought about that. Um, we got m married in the Cayman Islands, you know, Jack, so, Jack applied for all these expungements and like I didn't think he would even be able to get a passport, but yeah. we made the reservations anyway and stuff, right? And then um, he got the mail. Like this was like not even a week before we were supposed to leave. We were freaking out. He got the mail with like 36 expungements this time and mm. like a passport. And we yeah. were like, awesome. you know, it's like, hey, that. babe, I'm good to go. <laughs> right? we, we get married in the Caymans. I'm right. telling you. <laughs> It's just like, you know, ultimately, I believe that like all of the work I put into like recovery and um, I already had a foundation and a base, even though I was getting high, you know, when I came out of treatment, I was just ready to go. Um, I went through my step work with my sponsor, you know, I finished the 12 steps and 12 traditions by the time I moved out of the recovery house, um, which let's be clear, took three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And um you know, it, ever since then, it's like I know that um, my results are directly proportionate to the work I put in. So I still, you know, do the same stuff I did today, which was like be of service either in the rooms or out of the rooms. I'm in Narcotics Anonymous, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm sponsoring six women through the steps right now. I don't sponsor women who don't work the steps. That's just my personal preference. Like, I don't want to be the problem and not the solution. You know, I don't want to be part of the in the problem with you with no solution you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and, um mm -hmm. that's just my experience i don't want 
people to die on me because they aren't working this stuff. So I, you know, I just like encourage people to, you know, I have my own experience. That's all I have. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's all I have to like share with others. Um, you know, I moved up in that position for living in recovery. I went from, you know, house manager to uh, some recovery manager, part-time to recovery manager, full-time. By the way, none of these positions existed besides house manager. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, because um, I was always taught, like, make yourself indispensable. Yeah. Like, get in there and make your own job mm -hmm. so that they, you know, yeah. they you know, need you, you know, I, and yeah. not in like a negative way, but like I was value added to the organization. And, um, you know, now I'm the program director and, um, you know, I help run a nonprofit. Um, you know, we have three houses, 18 people, a women's house and two men's houses. And, you know, it's a lot, especially with the oh, women's yeah. house. And um, oh, yeah. it's like better than it's ever been. I'm super encouraged by that. I was crying on Friday just because I'm so grateful. I had to clear the whole house out for the first time since I've been there. And for good start reasons from or scratch. bad reasons? For bad reasons. Mm -hmm. It just mm. took a turn. Yeah. The house manager got on Adderall and then like just, you know, secrets and stuff like that. Yep. I, I discharged the whole house. And then we up we renovated the house opened it back up and it's finally stable again. Um, so that took a year and, um, you know, I'm super happy. That's it. You know, I'm just super happy at times. I feel a little burnt out from working with newcomers, but I got to keep doing the work on myself because that's what keeps me like healthy mentally and emotionally mm -hmm. so that I can help others. Um, I go to Al-Anon also, um, because I'm super codependent meaning on like I'll take other I'll take on other people's feelings and responsibilities mm -hmm. and um you know they'll suffer as a result yeah you know it talks about through our inability to accept personal responsibilities we actually created our own problems so like if I take someone's responsibility away from them they're subject to create continue creating their own problems right yeah. like they don't, I'm not, I'm taking away their ability to forge the tools they need to survive. You're being mm. a spiritual sugar mama. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's not a good time because like what I'm learning is we both get hurt, you know, and I'm not trying to cause harm out here. Yeah. Um, what I'm working on right now is judgment, criticism, and um, gossip. I'm, um, I finished my, I finished writing my second, seventh step and, um, you know, I've been reflecting on that. Then the situation came up and I'm really, um, I am entirely ready to have these three specific defects removed that I've been holding on to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the sixth step, everyone talks about it being scary, but it really just, um, this time around anyway, like I feel human, like yeah. I feel self-acceptance from it. It was painful, but, you know, um, the outcome is, like, amazing. So that's where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how, what is the time? Can we get a time check? We can go to questions. You it's 10.50. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. All right. Definitely have some questions for you. Um, <laughs> so. David, do you want to go first? <laughs> Thank you, Carly. You're yes, I would, I would love to go first. Fantastic. Um so I'm going to combine two questions. So did like geographic changes like also combined with sort of like you talked about like absentee slash neglectful parents like they just didn't give a shit. Same same with mine. Mm -hmm. So did like both of those things, how did they negatively impact your addiction? Oh, I fucking hate you. I took your question. Yeah, that was so, actually the last um, My parents were not neglectful toward us. They were violent toward each other. Mm, okay. Um. You know, my parents were very, well, my dad is alcoholic. He is not like super engaged or, you know, he doesn't have that ability. But my mom is like, you know, overprotective, codependent, um, you know, and she's a mom's mom. She's like a mom to her core. Like that's who she is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I hung out with her yesterday. My husband and I went to look for fossils and stuff, you know. 
Um, the relationship with my dad is still a little strained, even after doing a nine-step amends with him and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it was really just like the violence. Like I was combined with the fact that I was so sensitive and so shy as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't, I didn't know how to cope. And I mm-hmm. didn't have any examples of what healthy coping looked like. Yeah. You know, it's like go, go we'll figure uh, it out. Yeah. Run and drink, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. What do you got, Carla? Um, so you talked about that the apartment that you kept is a reservation. Do you have any reservations today, you think? So something did strike me as a reservation, like, recently. Mm. And, you know, I can't. I can't think of. It's always, like breaking up with my husband right because he we've been together longer than i've been clean and it's always been um you know that's a tough one like because i don't know what my recovery looks like without him Mm. and i think i work a pretty i think we both work pretty good programs independently and we have our own lives um and we have our own friends independently um but it's still like you know and he's 20 years older than me Right. So it's a real possibility that, you know, that will be a thing one day, Um, you know, and so that's one of the things that I um, I think I do still consider a reservation on some level because I just don't know. Yeah, it's totally the unknown of like, how are you going to react to this situation? Right. Mm -hmm. I think like, uh, you know, physically where I'm at and who I surround myself with, it's probably really unlikely that I would use, you know, but I know I would want to, you know, Mm -hmm. like using. Oh, there would be definitely that escape alarm bell going off in your brain for sure. Yeah. Like getting high never stopped being appealing to me. (laughs) Let's just get that out there too. I'm I'm there with you. (laughs) Certain drugs. Like honestly, alcohol does not appeal to me anymore. Like no, at all. that one I lost friend. like and actually going to Ravens games helped because I watched all these <laughs> yep. drunk idiots and yep. I was like, oh, my God, I look like that. <laughs> I was like, that shit is it, it just doesn't appeal to yep. me. But my like, husband is one of those drunk idiots. Occasionally. Yeah, he is. You're like, why are you so angry? Calm down. Go drink a White Claw, you turd. <laughs> Kidding. I love you, Garrett. Um, um, all right. What's my next question? Okay, how have you addressed your codependency and recovery? So, CODA meetings and Al-Anon have really helped me. If you Google CODA.org, like, it'll have a list of um, character traits, right? And everyone Ooh. I've ever pulled it out on has identified with it. Um, because that, you know, some of them are really human traits that have been, like... I'll be avoiding that one. Me know, too. Um, <laughs> No, you it, shouldn't. <laughs> it's just when we think of codependency, we don't think of, you know, it doesn't mean like I can't live without my boyfriend. It means like I take on other people's feelings. I take responsibility mm-hmm. for things that are not my responsibility. Because yeah. um, there's like there's like different traits. There's like fixers. And yeah. Then there's people I'm who sort of play the victim a little bit. Yeah. But, mm. I'm definitely all of that. Um, I like to tell people that they shouldn't feel the way they feel. That's another one that I didn't know existed, like downplaying other people's mm. feelings. Yeah. Kind of like you at a toddler, like, no, you're okay, you're okay. Oh, yeah. You know, like... With a, well, yeah, with a toddler. There's a bunch of, like, little things that, um, you know, I, just the heightened awareness helps, right? It's not like I do anything perfectly, but knowing that, um, you know, there's a solution... I can now like seek a solution when I'm in a problem, right? Yeah. And learn how to like uh, train myself differently. <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, yeah, that stuff helps. Um, I don't go all the time, but like I go and I can feel myself getting strung out on a person. Ooh. And that happens occasionally with wow. a resident too, you know? So I have to be really careful. Love that quote, strung out on a person. Mm-hmm. That is, and one of my like favorite quotes, like you know, like in relation to that, it's like you never know how many like Hyundai Elantras are in the world <laughs> until your girlfriend breaks up with you and that's her car. 
Yeah. And then that's all you see is Hyundai Elantra. They're like, is that her? Yeah. You're like, you're just totally strung out on a person. Just, she is, obs- yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. What do you got? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Um, so you are big on setting goals, which is evident so far throughout your recovery. Um, what goals do you have set for yourself now? Ooh. So I would like to buy another house. Um, you know, another um, rental, right? So um, we have a five bedroom house right now. And re- so through the pandemic, which we didn't touch on, we still had, there are six of us in the house, adults, right? And one cat who's really obnoxious. Um, <laughs> Don't say that to Eric. We, <laughs> he, um, so now we have two roommates, right? But like, we like having roommates that, to, it's kind of like subsidizing that time from between recovery house to like living on your mm-hmm. own. There's no in between there. Mm-hmm. So like we try to provide an in between there because it's really um but to us it it meant everything to us, right? So um you know, that's part of the reason we like having roommates in who are in recovery, in longer term recovery, like 3 or 4 years or more. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would like another house that way. I would also, um, I'm working with the organization that I work for, Living in Recovery, to try to establish the same thing. Um, Like more of like maybe a three-quarter house where people leaving our program with 18 months or two years clean mm-hmm. have somewhere to go yeah, in the a, area. Yeah, I'm like a journey step yeah. sort of, sort of like, situation. Where can they go and pay 700 bucks a month? Yeah. They, they end up running a room in some normal person's house, mm-hmm. having no support, having no accountability, and getting high again. Mm-hmm. And it's treacherous to watch someone you invested so much time mm-hmm. and or they go so after much quick energy. Money. Yeah, and then it's like, you know, we lose these people. So um, I'm really passionate about the housing of it all, right? Yeah, Like Martin's one of my favorite people because I'm just like so um, inspired by him, you know. Dude, he's killing the game. Yeah, so, um, yeah. All right. Um, (laughs) Final question. So you've you've talked about Al-Anon, you've talked about NA, you've talked about CODA. How important is a multifaceted uh, approach to recovery and not not necessarily painting yourself into a corner with like, oh, mm-hmm. I have to go to this fellowship or that fellowship, but mm-hmm. being open to all the different possibilities of help coming your way? Yep. So yesterday I was reading the book, Drop the Rock, and it's on steps six and seven. And I believe it's AA based. It's just a, per, it's an author. It's not like yeah, yeah. world service of any sort mm-hmm. um, approved, but um, that was really helpful to me. I look for recovery. I mean, Brene Brown, like. Oh, Brene, mm-hmm. Brene Brown is amazing. Yeah. Like I'm not so... anybody listening. Go go to your local Barnes and Noble or just go on Amazon. Get some Brene Brown. It'll change your life. Yeah, or the podcasts. Uh, you know, podcasts oh yeah, po- podcasts. Are a huge recovery thing. podcasts are fantastic <laughs> for your recovery. Also, tune into those wherever you find them. Yeah, I listen to podcasts, so I know that I connect to God through the rooms, like physical meetings and in nature. So I garden and go to meetings. That's what works for me mm-hmm. um, when I need to get back to baseline and. Um, you know six and seven always coming back to that works for me as well so um, yeah one of the things that um, I think I just lost it oh yeah what I was going to say is like having never had any peace even from a young 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 point um, finding the peace through working through all 12 of the steps like gives me a baseline to come back to now. Mm-hmm. Like I had, I know it exists now. Yep. So I know to search for it now. I know to reach for it now. Um, and I didn't know that before. I think that's one of the main points of my recovery that um, is essential today. Nice. You got a last question? Um, biggest accomplishment so far in recovery? Hmm. Mm. I think um, buying the house was a big one. You know, we definitely thought that we would um, be buying like a, you know, I, 
I thought we would have to leave Columbia. I didn't want to call it a starter home because you know what? That's like some people's permanent home, you know, and it's it's okay. You know, it's good. And that's where, you know, I thought we would have to leave Columbia for sure. I Mm -hmm. thought that we would have to have, you know, roommates in the city or in the, you know, Arbutus or something. And, um, you know, we work. I mean, we work in Colombia, we serve in Colombia. Um, we really wanted to stay there, but mm-hmm. there was no way that was going to happen for us, you mm-hmm. know? And so I'm really, um, and not only that, we're not in Colombia Association's jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. Oh, that's so we can do whatever the fuck we want. We that's have like great. an acre of property and we just farm and like have a wild ass cat. So and set Christmas like, trees on fire. I know, and set Christmas trees. <laughs> Carly what? and I were like burning Christmas <laughs> trees last fall. When did that last happen? Winter. Um, after Christmas last year. Yeah. We had a bonfire and set Christmas trees on fire. Yeah, we burned okay. shit. It was fantastic. No one says shit. Nick Proudfoot set off industrial style fireworks in the backyard, yeah. you know. Are, just... are you guys in all of you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's actually not even technically Columbia. It's like what's uh, Skaggsville. Something like that. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's not actually part of Columbia. Huh. Yeah. I don't know. The greater Columbia area. The, ooh. the address is <laughs> Columbia, so I don't know area. what it is. But um, that's that's definitely my biggest accomplishment is being um, a part of that. So. All right. Well, we would like to thank our guest, Jess, for joining us today. Woo! <laughs> And we'd like to give you one quick minute to talk to anybody out there listening who's struggling, needs to hear a message of hope. What do you have to say to them? I just want to say that it's possible. And, um, you know, whatever modality of recovery you choose, you know, you have to be seeking it out for it to work for you. Um, So I encourage you to, you know, explore and seek out, you know, what works for each individual. All right, here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us, but we need your help to keep the mics on. So please go to our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, our YouTube, like, share, subscribe. If you'd like to become part of the Podcast Recovery family, please go to our Patreon and uh, you know, throw us a few shekels. We, we need it because we are fully self-supporting and we need equipment and stuff. So we appreciate all of that. Uh, but yes, most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean. <laughs>